Welcome to the Mark Driscoll Ministries podcast. To find more Bible teaching from Pastor Mark, visit markdriscoll.org. Thank you for listening and being a part of Mark Driscoll Ministries. And remember, it's all about Jesus. All righty, we continue our study in John's Gospel. We're in John chapter 10. Here's the big question. Ready? A little Bible trivia. You ready? Of all the animals in the Bible, if you had to pick one that you would guess that would be mentioned most frequently, which animal might it be? The lamb, the sheep, the sheep. About 400 times the Bible talks about lamb or sheep. How many of you, you live in the city. You, you don't know what a sheep is. Other than gluing cotton balls to a piece of construction paper as a kid, that's about as close as you've ever been to a sheep. Well, the Bible uses this language of sheep a lot, about 400 times. And when it does so, it is trying to give us a picture and a portrait of our relationship with God. Let me tell you a little bit about sheep. Um, are they smart? No, they're not smart. They're not smart. Are they fierce, tough? No, they're, they're in fact the least fierce thing we can think of. If your child is awake in the middle of the night, you're like, it's okay, count sheep. There's nothing more soothing than just sheep. Right, right, right now, if we heard a truck overturned out front and there are wild animals on the loose, you would lock the doors. And then if you heard they were sheep, you'd be like, oh, let's go see them, right? Uh, <laughs> Because there's nothing more soothing and calming than a sheep because a sheep is a pacifist vegetarian. It is. Uh, It's a pacifist. It doesn't harm anything or anyone. And it's a vegetarian. It just eats vegetables or whatever it can find, grass. And also it was kind of free range. They just wander around and then just eat and then just sleep and expect someone else to take care of them. One of my kids at dinner last night said, so dad, they were the first hippie. Yeah, sheep were the first hippies. They were pacifists, vegetarians who were homeless and just wandered around and expected other people to take care of them. Yes, yes, they are the first hippies. And so uh, what would happen then is the, 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 the free range sheep, they would just sort of live out in the pasture and eat what they could find and lay down where they wanted to, but they were very, very vulnerable. Uh, predators could come and attack and destroy them. And this is where the shepherd comes in the shepherd would be the one to devote themselves to the oversight, the protection of the individual sheep and of the flock. So the Bible speaks of shepherds about a hundred times. And in this section that we're studying today in John chapter 10, it talks a lot about shepherds and sheep. And in John 10, six, it says this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. The Bible uses plain, literal and figurative literal speech Sometimes it'll just say something plainly. Sometimes it'll say things that are still true, but in a figurative manner. This is figurative speech. So in the story, who's the shepherd? Jesus. Who's the sheep? We are. Okay, so there should be a little humility here. You're like, I'm kind of offended. Okay, good. You're paying attention. Okay, so some of you are like, I'm very smart for a sheep. You're very smart. Some of you are like, I'm offended. I'm very tough. You're tough for a sheep. Okay, just keep it all in perspective. So we're going to open, we're going to look at what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep. It's one of the most beloved sections of the whole Bible. And it starts in John chapter 10, verse one. Here we learn five things that sheep need. Jesus says, truly, truly, or he will say, I tell you the truth. He says this about 40 times in John's gospel. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. He's talking about himself as the good shepherd and we are the sheep, the people of God are the sheep. And there's five things that we need a sheep. Number one, we need a shepherd. In that day, any sheep that didn't have a shepherd was a dead sheep. Uh, Sheep needed a shepherd to continually provide and protect, to love and to lead. And so what a shepherd would do, they would devote their whole life to the well-being of their flock. They would follow them wherever they pasture. They would tuck them in somewhere safely at night. If something would come to harm them, then they would put themselves in harm's way. And here's the big idea. You need a shepherd. His name is Jesus. Jesus loves his sheep. Jesus is devoted to his sheep. And what I'm going to share with you in today's sermon is honestly, not a lot of things are new, 
but a lot of things that need to be practiced. And sometimes we don't need to learn new things. We need to practice the things we already know. And so this sermon is kind of back to basics. And the first is, you're not the shepherd of your life. You're the follower, not the leader. Some people think that God should follow them. No, we should follow God. Some people think that God should obey us. No, we should obey God. That's that relationship of sheep and shepherd. And what Jesus is saying here is that he is a good shepherd and that you and I need him very, very desperately. Um, in addition to Jesus, there are, there are other people that God appoints in positions to be shepherds. This language is carried throughout the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. So in another book of the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, says that Jesus is the chief shepherd and there are other shepherds. So moms, you're shepherds taking care of your little flock. Dads, your shepherds taking care of your little flock. Ministry leaders, small group leaders, student ministry leaders, worship team leaders, uh, parachurch ministry leaders, kids ministry leaders, your shepherds. Your job is to love and to lead, to protect and provide for whatever flock God has given to you. And I just want to say this at the Trinity Church. We have been very richly blessed with some significant leadership. Um, in our church, I think we've got, last count, eight or ten former senior pastors, a number of missions directors, a number of worship team leaders. I think about 10% of the adult population of the church has been on the board or on staff at some other church in significant leadership. As a brand new baby church that's just over a year old, our little flock is very blessed. Jesus is the chief shepherd, he's the good shepherd, and he has brought to us a lot of really wonderful, mature, awesome, great godly people to also help shepherd this growing flock. Number two, you need a flock. Uh, Sheep are social animals. Uh, They tend to do better together. Isolated, they tend to find themselves in grave danger. The, The concept here is that Christianity is not a solo sport. The Bible says it's not good to be, what? Alone. Uh, There is a flock, and then if a sheep should wander from the fold, they find themselves in grave danger. Grave danger. So the question, firstly, would be, do you recognize and receive and respond to Jesus as the good shepherd, and then have you found your flock? And if you're part of the Trinity Church, we love you. Welcome. We're glad to have you. This is a great flock, some wonderful people. Thank you for being an easy flock to love and to lead. Honestly, I mean that with all my heart. And some of you are visiting. You're surrounded with great people. Some of you, you're from somewhere else. Some of you, God will move you somewhere else. It is just really important that wherever you end up, that you flock together with God's people. And we live in this day when sometimes people will say that Jesus is their shepherd, but they don't have a flock. And and that's not the way that this is supposed to work. It used to be, they would say a decade ago, that the average committed church attender would go two out of four Sundays. Now it's down to two out of five. And if you live in Scottsdale and you make a little bit of money, you take the summers off because Christianity is nine months a year, right? And then the summers, June, July, and August, the beast, the false prophet, and the antichrist, those months that unleash hell on earth, we're gone and we're not Christians until it gets cooler. Let me tell you this. You need to be a year-round Christian and you need to find a flock and you need to stick with that flock, and it cannot vary based upon the temperature. Amen? Just help me get this word out. Uh, Because what happens is every fall, people come back. How's it going? Terrible. We're fighting. Our kids are rebellious. I can't find my pants. Well, it's because you took the summer off. You took the summer off, and Christianity is a year-round relationship. Amen? So find your flock. Stick with your flock. Who is it that you're going to walk with? And I was thinking about it this morning. I think there are, in my 20 plus years of senior pastor experience, three primary reasons why people don't pick and stick with a flock. Number one, they don't make it a priority. So you don't intentionally say, okay, we're going we're gonna to be part of this relational community. We're going to join this flock. You need to make it an intentional choice, something that you inconvenience yourself for to be part of the flock. Number two, sometimes it's because some people are just not very relational, right? Some of you are not very relational, which means you're like, I listen to the podcast, I'm fine. Well, you're a weird sheep, okay? You need other sheep to be a healthy sheep. And so you need to overcome maybe your lack of relational skill or your non-relational nature to be part of a flock. And I think this one is maybe the most frequent that I hear, and that is that the last flock hurt me. Some church hurt. Sometimes sheep bite one another, right? 
I mean, I don't think they can kill you, but they can gnaw on you a little bit, okay? And it hurts. I actually, this morning, went to get uh, coffee, and I was talking to the barista, and he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And uh, I said, you should come to our church. The people are great. He said, yeah, I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore. I said, why is that? He said, well, somebody in my last church really hurt me, and I've never been able to really forgive them, so I haven't been back to church in years. I said, well, you know what? I'm sorry about that. Sometimes sheep bite. Um, but you need to forgive them. We'd love to meet you. It is forgiving and it is moving on in relationship that is going to be part of the healing process. You need a shepherd, you need a flock. And if you're here and you have some church hurt, it is a good opportunity to forgive and to love. Amen? We need each other. That's what Jesus is intimating and indicating that we do in fact need one another. Number three, you need to find the one and only gate. So in the first half of Jesus' instruction, he's talking more about sheep that are in pasture. In the second half, he'll be talking more about sheep that are in pens. I'll explain that a little bit further down the sermon. But in pasture, what would happen is the sheep would wander around as a flock together, highly social animals, looking for things to eat and foraging. But then once the sun started to set and it started to grow dark, what a good shepherd would do, he would find a safe place for them to be for the night. So he'd find a cave, find maybe an enclosed rock area, something up against a hill, maybe stack some rocks, find some logs, whatever was available, and try and create some sort of temporary pen. That would then contain all of the animals for the duration of the night, but then what he needed was a gate. So he could build a temporary gate, but a good shepherd to ensure that the sheep were safe, he would literally lay himself down over the entryway into the temporary pen. What that meant was no sheep can get out and no harm can come in. I am laying down my life literally for the well-being of the sheep. And the analogy here is that heaven is like a pasture. Uh, that God has great freedom and life and protection and provision for all of his people. That we're like a flock, that heaven is like a pasture, but for the sheep to leave the pen and to go into the pasture, they had to pass through this gate. And what Jesus is saying here is that he is the only gate into that pasture. There are not many ways to heaven. There is one. His name is Jesus. There are not many religious leaders that you should follow. There is one He is alone, the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. And sometimes people will say when someone dies, oh, they they went to a better place. Let me tell you this. If you don't belong to Jesus, the place that you go is not better. There is no pasture apart from the good shepherd. So the question is, do you believe in Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Are you part of his flock called the church? If so, have you passed through him into that safe relationship with God? And if so, then upon your death and entrance into eternal life, you will pass through him as that gate into that eternal pasture. So the question is always, do you love Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? Is he your good shepherd? And are you seeking by his grace to be a good sheep who follows the shepherd? The fourth thing that sheep need, they need to know the shepherd's voice. He says it this way, the sheep hear my voice. God calls out to his people and his true people hear them. And that day there would be a number of sheep, let's say out in the fields and the pasture, and there would be a number of shepherds. And when a shepherd would call their sheep, the sheep recognize their voice. How many of you have got a dog like this? If you call them, they come to you. How many of you have a non-Christian dog like me? And you... (laughs) You call them and they do not come. They do not come, okay? Um, We have a non-Christian dog. Pray for our dog. If our dog was a Christian, as the master, when I called, that dog would come, okay? But it does not come. Um, What Jesus is saying is that when the sheep hear his voice, in that day, when a shepherd would call their sheep and they would call them by name, the sheep would run to the shepherd. And so Jesus is saying the true sheep are those who hear the voice of God and respond to him. How many of you, this is your experience, at some point in your life, your ears, your understanding, your heart, your mind, you're opened up and you realize, I need to get to Jesus. You, you can't, some of you can't even explain it. It's like, I don't know. I just, Jesus, I want to get to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus. I trust Jesus. He's my shepherd. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. For me, I was 19. I'll never forget it. I'm in college. I didn't love Jesus. I didn't follow Jesus. I wasn't excited about Jesus. And then I was. 
What does that mean? That means that my ears and understanding were open and I heard his voice and my response indicated that I was chosen to be one of his sheep. Okay? If you're here today, Jesus is calling out to you and he wants you to respond to him. And he doesn't call you just once. He calls you once to begin the relationship, but he calls you over and over and over to continue the relationship. Then the question is often asked, how does Jesus speak to me? How does he reveal himself? Well, let me say first and foremost, uh, to hear the voice of Jesus, the shepherd's voice, we need to open the word of God. This is primarily how God speaks. How many of you have had that experience? You'll be reading the Bible and you're like, God is talking to me. Like I'm hearing from God today. Like that, that is from God and you know that. That's because you are a sheep, he is a shepherd and he has opened up your understanding. Another way that we listen to the good shepherd is through prayer. We talk, we listen. And here at the Trinity Church, we like to talk a lot about wise counsel. There is the good shepherd. There are other shepherds who are following the good shepherd and they help us to understand his will for our life. These are godly people who love you and love the Lord and they can help you understand what God's will is for your life. And the whole point is to listen to the shepherd, to walk with the shepherd and to walk in God's will for your future. And the fifth thing that is needed is simply to follow the shepherd. Jesus says, quote, the sheep follow me or the sheep follow him. And again, I was thinking about it this morning. This is all really basic stuff that we don't do as a habitual lifelong lifestyle. Instead of listening to the shepherd, we start listening to the voices of culture or critics. Instead of following the shepherd, we start following someone or something else. Instead of flocking together with the people of God, we get isolated. And as a result, we are vulnerable. These are the basic things that a sheep needs. And these are the habitual practices that will allow you to grow and mature as a follower of Jesus. And again, as I was thinking about it this morning, I like to bring new revelation, fresh insight, something you've never heard, Shazam. And this is like, love Jesus, listen to him, walk with him, find other people who are walking with him and walk with them. But I'm saying is that many people don't do this. And if they do, it doesn't become a habitual lifestyle. And instead they'll wander and then they'll run back to Jesus in the flock, help, it's a mess. Okay, we love you, welcome, welcome back. But if you don't wander, things will be better. Because I wanna be a good shepherd because I love you and I want good for you. These simple, basic, habitual practices, once they become lifestyle and character, they're good for the sheep, amen? They're good for the people of God. So this is a good opportunity for you to examine your own life in light of these things. Jesus then tells us six things about himself as the good shepherd. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, or again, I tell you the truth. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved from Satan's sin, death, hell, and the wrath of God. Right? There is no salvation apart from Jesus, the good shepherd. And I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, destroy. That just sounds like the earth right now. That just sounds like the news. I don't know what's trending on social media right now, but it's in one of those three categories. I came that they may have life. Boy, doesn't that sound great? And have it abundantly, right? A sheep that's out in a good pasture and is joyful and free and healthy and growing. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, Jesus continues. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Six things about Jesus, our good shepherd. Number one, he tells you the truth. Friends, this is such a tremendous gift. We live in an age where you can't even figure out what the truth is. With all the spin, the conjecture, the hype, the attacks, the mudslinging, it's hard to know reality. An event happens, four news stories cover it, and you just throw your hands in the air and say, I don't know what happened. I don't know who's right or wrong. I can't make heads or tails of it. Jesus tells the truth. This is such a tremendous gift 
because truth is that which corresponds with reality. You can't live your life and prepare for your eternal life unless you're dealing with reality. The truth is how we come to grips with reality. Who God really is, who we really are, what Jesus has really done, what life is really all about, and what really happens when you die. And Jesus tells us, truly, truly, some of your translations will say, I tell you the truth. He says this some 40 times in John's gospel. He keeps telling us over and over and over. You could trust me. You could trust me. You could trust me. You could trust me. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. I'm not spinning. I'm not giving conjecture or speculation. I'm giving revelation that prepares you for reality. That's amazing. I can handle good news. I can handle bad news. I just need to know what reality is so I can deal with that. Amen. Jesus tells us the truth. Number two, Jesus warns us about false shepherds, the thief, the robber, and the wolf. Now, I don't want to put fear in you. I don't want to speak ill or pejorative. The majority of pastors that I know are wonderful. I've been all over the world, and here's what I could tell you. God's people are everywhere, and most of them are wonderful people. But occasionally, there is someone in a leadership position that is a false shepherd. They're a thief. They're just using the sheep. They're a robber. They're there to harm, not to help. Or they're a wolf. Once they get into the flock, they're a real danger. Um, We're in a season of great calm and peace and love and joy. And I hope it continues till Jesus comes back here at the Trinity Church. I really do. Um, But if and when the day comes where there is those who are not following the good shepherd, we need not follow them. The way that someone becomes a bad shepherd is they cease to see themselves as a sheep. Before you can be a shepherd of anyone, you need to be a sheep to the only one who is worth following. And if someone isn't following Jesus, then no one should follow them. That's what Jesus is referring to. You know that someone is a good leader when they're helping you to love Jesus and know Jesus and follow Jesus and become like Jesus and encourage you in relationship to walking closely with a good shepherd. Um, Since moving here, I've met a lot of shepherds in the valley. And let me say only good things. Met with over 100 pastors in the valley before we planted the church, most of them one-on-one. Loving, gracious, kind. You will see items all over this property that were donated by other churches that have prayed for us, loved us, served us, encouraged us. I praise God for them. Um, And very rarely do you meet someone who is not a good shepherd, they're a bad shepherd. Um, I first had my encounter with this as a brand new Christian. I was saved in college, I started a ministry, and then because I was young, and at the time mainly reaching young people, a conference asked me to come speak on how to reach young people. Now, I know this will shock you. I said something offensive. Um, who could have seen this coming? So I'm teaching at this conference in Orlando. This was a long time ago. I was in my mid-20s. I had no right to be teaching because I had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, but I wore jeans and a T-shirt, so they thought I was cool. Um, I was not cool. I was poor. So... Um, Anyways, um, I got up to teach and it was on how to reach young people. And they said, well, how do you reach young people? So I started in Romans 1 in the New Testament. I said, well, you know, the key is with young people, don't be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to the salvation of anyone or everyone who believes. And a pastor raised their hand. This is a whole room full of pastors, older pastors. And they, they asked, uh, what do you mean by the gospel? I said, well, there's one God um, and that, we have sinned against that God and that that God came into human history as Jesus Christ. He lived without sin. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose as our savior through repentance of sin and faith in him. We escape hell and we enjoy heaven. I thought, there you go. I landed the dismount. I did a good job. You're welcome. I should get a little gold star on my chart. And one of the pastors then raised their hand and said, what if you don't believe that? I said, what? And they said, the part about Jesus dying for our sin and rising. I said, shouldn't have said, but I did say, well, I hope nobody follows you because you're going to hell. Okay, and I thought, well, okay, you love it because you're not them. And so, uh, and then I looked, I lost the whole room. The whole room turned on me. All of a sudden, it's like, everybody's giving me the stink eye. And I was like, hey, do, do, do you guys believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose and apart from him, you go to hell? And the room was split and about half the pastors disagreed with that. Okay, I was supposed to teach three sessions. I got to spend the rest of the day at Disney World. I was freed up, I'll tell you that right now. 
But my point was like, if you don't know that he's the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep and took it up again, you can't be a good shepherd because you're not following the good shepherd. And if people are following you, they're not following you in the wake of the good shepherd. Okay? We don't want to be critical of other churches. We want to be critical of other leaders. We want to love, bless, and encourage all of God's flocks. But I would say simply to you, you need a shepherd, you need a flock, and the goal of the flock and the shepherd should be to increase your intimacy, your love for, your appreciation toward, your devotion to the good shepherd. Amen? Amen? That's the big point. Uh, Number three, Jesus warns us about hired hands. He says there are some people... For them, it's a job and not a calling. What's the difference between a job and a calling? How many of you moms have realized that you don't have a job, you have a calling? Three o'clock in the morning, the kid is throwing up and screaming again. And you can't say, sorry, these are my off hours. It'd be nice, right? You need to throw up between nine to five, Monday through Friday. That's, those are vomiting hours. After that, you got to wear it, okay? Because I punched out, Okay. It is a calling, not a job. And the difference between a calling and a job is a calling becomes a lifestyle. A calling becomes something that you'll do no matter what, because it's what God made you to do. Um, When I was uh, a brand new Christian in college, I went to a men's retreat and I went for a walk and I talked to God and God talked to me and he said, Mary Grace, preach the Bible, train men, plant churches. God spoke to me audibly. That was my call into ministry. Different people get called in different ways. But I was like, okay, that's what I'm doing. I called Grace. I was like, I think God spoke to me. And he said to marry you. She's like, okay. I was like, oh, one for four. There we go, right? I got to go find a Bible. Okay, you know, step two. So that was God's calling of me in the ministry. And what I will tell you is this, is that being a mother, being a father, being a shepherd in any capacity, it it is a calling, not just a job. Because if all you do is hire people, you end up with hirelings. I'll give you an example. My first job, if you're a teenager, do not follow in my example. I was not a Christian. This was wrong, but it's hilarious. So I'll tell you the story. I got uh, two things called whiteout and a typewriter. You kids can Google it. It used to exist back when we rode dinosaurs to school. And what I did is I got my birth certificate and I got whiteout and I changed the year of my birth and then I put it on a typewriter and I falsified it, then I photocopied it so I could lie about my age because I was 15 years of age and I applied for a job as a clerk at a 7-Eleven selling lotto tickets, beer, and cigarettes to adults that I would card. Okay, this is funny. Uh, I, now, the good news is I had a beard and my voice sounded just like this, so nobody really thought anything else. So, so I, would, I would card these adults. And there was one day, I'm working at the 7-Eleven, it was in a rough part of town behind the... Uh, the airport, and a guy came in with a gun for a stick-up, okay? And he he literally said something like, "Um, I want lotto tickets, I want beer, I want cigarettes, and I want all the money out of the till. Here's what I said. Hey, there's no need for that gun. I am not going to make a courageous last stand for the 7-Eleven. You can have whatever you want. I will load it in a bag and take it to your car and put it in the trunk like the grocery store. That's literally what I told the guy. I was like, what kind of cigarettes do you want? I opened the till. I was like, there you go. And the big bills are underneath. Let me lift that up for you. Right? So <laughs> take whatever you want. Take your time. Right? Because for me, was this a calling or a job? It was a job, Jack. It was a job. At 15, it's not like, this is where I end, at the Slurpee machine. I'm going down. I will not suffer a paper cut for the Slurpee machine. I will not even, I, I, literally, I literally told the guy, hey, let me bag it. What do you need? I was so joyful, he started laughing at me, okay? And I'm like, put the gun away, put the gun away, put the gun away. I will die for the gospel, not for the 7-Eleven, Amen. I will go down for the scriptures, not the slurpy machine, because that's the difference between a calling and a, a job. That's why they have to pay you to show up to the job, right? Because you wouldn't show up for free. That's the difference between a calling and a job. And what Jesus is saying here is that watch out because you don't know if someone really loves the sheep until a wolf shows up. And what does the shepherd do? They fight. David is a shepherd boy, maybe the famous 
shepherd boy of the Old Testament. And it says in the Bible that he fought lions and bears. That's a shepherd. What happens with a hireling? A wolf comes, what does the hireling do? Woo, I quit, right? I quit and they're gone. And so he warns us and he would warn all of us who have the opportunity to be in leadership to any capacity to have a shepherd's heart for the people of God, the same heart that the good shepherd has. Number four, Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says he lays down his life for the sheep. Sometimes when we see Jesus being crucified, murdered in our place for our sins, we can think that he is a victim. He's not, he's a victor. He says, I lay down my life and he says, I take it up again. This is like a police officer who sees someone in harm's way and they step in the middle and they know exactly what they're doing. This is like a soldier who sees someone in harm's way and they step in the middle and they know exactly what they're doing. They're not a victim, they're a victor. Now the difference is that you and I are not innocent. The attacks of Satan and demons, the the sentence that we deserve of hell is something that we have fully earned through our rebellion. But out of great love, like a good shepherd, Jesus stands in the middle between us and sin, between us and death, between us and hell, between us and the wrath of God. And this is all about the cross of Jesus, that he literally willingly lays down his life and he takes it up again. Here's what I need you to know. Jesus loves people. This is good news. The Bible calls it the gospel. He just loves people. Sometimes we wonder why. It's not because we're good. It's because he's good. And I want you to see that the relationship with Jesus, it begins with love and forgiveness. Jesus begins by laying down his life out of love and forgiveness for the sheep. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. One of the things I love about our church, my daughter and I were driving in early this morning from the freeway. What do you see? The cross, there it is. And we found the old one out behind the kids' ministry building. So we put it out front and there was another one we found. So we put it in the forest. So you get three crosses before you even get in the door, which is kind of our way of saying, that's what it's about that we have a good shepherd who has come to earth and he has gotten in the middle and he has laid down his life in love for the forgiveness of his sheep. Let me tell you this, I have good news for you. You don't work for God's love. You work from God's love. So many other people in your life, you have to work for their love. With Jesus, you work from his love. He starts with love. He continues with love. He abides in love. And the the cross of Jesus is all about forgiveness. You don't work for forgiveness, you work from forgiveness. This is where Jesus is so unlike anyone and everyone else. And it kind of frustrates me when people say, well, you know, all religions basically believe the same thing. No, they don't. No, other religions teach that you need to lay down your life so that you could be forgiven and loved by God. Christianity alone teaches Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life so that we could be loved and forgiven by God. That our relationship starts with his love and forgiveness. This is the key to our relationship, your relationship, my relationship with God. God loves you. This is what's crazy. He can't love you anymore and he won't love you any less. No matter what you do. Some of you say, but I'm a sheep that's really wandered from the shepherd and the flock. If you come back, you will see that the good shepherd loves and forgives. Here's what I want you to know. You don't have to walk with Jesus. You get to walk with Jesus. And there is no joy walking with anyone other than Jesus. And I want you to know this. Some of you would wonder if God loves you. The fact that the good shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep That is the supreme act of love. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That there is no greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for their friends. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Right, that Jesus has taken care of your big, big problem of sin through his death, the good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be loved, so that your ears could open, that you could hear the voice of your good shepherd and you could run to him and he could bring you into a life of provision and pasture. And what Jesus is saying here, number five, is that he is the doorway to heaven. 
If you want a relationship with God, it's through Jesus Christ. If you want eternal life, it's through Jesus Christ. If you want a better future, it is through Jesus Christ. And then number six, the Lord Jesus tells us that he knows his sheep by name and his sheep know him by name. We tend to look at the earth and we see faces and God also knows names. In that day, the sheep were loved by the shepherds, so they'd get a name, almost like you would name a pet. Some of you have a pet that you love. And they would get a name. And what the shepherd would do is he would call each sheep to himself by name. Here's what I need you to know. If you are a Christian or you become one today, it's because Jesus Christ has called you by name. How many of you moved to the valley? And it was a bit of a startling experience because everywhere you go, no one knows you and you don't know them. I remember when we first moved here, we didn't really know anybody. Everywhere we'd go, nobody knew us. We were used to being in a town where at least some people knew us. And nobody knows your name. For weeks, you're like, I went to the store, came back, awkward. Nobody knows me, I don't know them. Jesus knows you by name. Jesus calls you by name. God is personal. God is relational. He calls you by name to himself. If you belong to Jesus, if you are a Christian, it is in fact evidence and proof that the good shepherd has called you his dear sheep by name. And there will be a day, my friend, when you and I die, Jesus will return and he will call every one of his sheep forth by name. How do I know this? There was a precursor and a preview to this in the Gospels. There was a man named Lazarus. You're going to meet him coming up soon. I think maybe even next week. He dies. He was dead for days. The King James Version said he stinketh. Okay, He stinketh. He's, He's very dead. Jesus shows up and he calls him by name. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets out of his grave. You need to know that when Jesus returns, he is going to call all of his sheep to himself from their graves by their names. You're going to hear Jesus call your name. Some of you have not been picked. You've been rejected. Some of you, when people say your name, they say pejorative and negative things. When Jesus calls you by name, your soul will hear the voice of your good shepherd. Your body will raise from the pen of its grave and you like a joyful sheep are going to run to the good shepherd into the eternal pasture of God's heavenly home. Amen? Amen. And what Jesus is saying here is that the true children of God, the true sheep of the good shepherd, they recognize his voice. Okay, let me use an analogy. Um, let me ask this question. How many of you are parents? Okay. How many of you at some point, at least for a brief moment, have lost your child? Okay. Like you couldn't find him. Okay. All of you. Some of you say, that's terrible. You're people without children. Okay, those of us <laughs> who have children know that at some point you lose them because they, they wander off. And they wander off. I'll never forget some years ago, we were at a fair um, and my kids were little. Now it's easy to find them because my sons are tall. And they look for me because I get lost. And they're like, hey, dad, dad, where are you? Like, I'm over here. I'm the little one, okay? But when they were little, we were at the fair and we kind of lost one of the kids. Not intentionally, but they wandered off. And there's a bunch of people. And all you need to know is they can hear me. So I called them by name. I won't tell you whose name it was. But I called them by name. And you know what they did? They heard the voice and they responded and they followed the voice until they restored the relationship by returning. The Bible says, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Some of you would wonder, does God speak to me? Yes, he does. And maybe you're not listening or maybe you're not liking what he's saying. What has the good shepherd spoken to you? What has he called you to? What has he called you from? What danger has he warned you of? What pasture is he seeking to bring you in? What sin is he wanting to forgive? 
What love is he wanting to bestow? What hurt is he wanting to heal? He does speak, and all you need to do is hear his voice and then follow him, walk with him, respond to him. We're talking here about a loving, forgiving, relational God. Relational God. Relational God. And so he's talked about sheep, he's talked about the shepherd, and he's going to now talk about the big flock called Christianity. And I believe in this section, Jesus pivots from pasture to pen. And so what would happen with the sheep, they would live out in the pasture and roam and lay down and wander and the shepherd would watch for them. And on occasion, the shepherd would want to go into town. And as a result, needed kind of the equivalent of a sheep hotel, place to check the sheep in for the night. And so there were large pens that would house all of the various sheep and the flocks according to each shepherd. And I believe he's transitioning here to that language. So we pick up the story. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be how many flocks? There's one capital C Christian church, all of God's people in all times and places. One shepherd, ultimately, The rest of us will all be out of a job and Jesus will be the only shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. You see Jesus here, not being a victim, but victorious. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews of the religious leaders because of these words. Many of them said he has a a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Question, has Jesus been saying very nice, loving things? I can't think of anything more loving than a shepherd and sheep. But those who are not sheep, they are wolves. They hear the voice of the shepherd and rather than running to him in love, they run at him to attack. And it still continues. Horrible things are still said to this day about Christ and Christianity. Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, the first thing that Jesus is telling us is that the Christian church, his big flock, includes people of all nations. He says that he has sheep that are not of this fold. He's speaking here to Jewish people. And what he is telling them is eventually there will be this movement of Christianity that the people who hear my voice and respond to me, I'm gonna have a really big flock and it's gonna include people from all the nations and all the languages and all the tribes and tongues and cultures. Was Jesus true or false? This was prophetic. He told us in advance exactly what he was doing. At this point, he had a very small flock and they were all Jewish. And he was saying that he was gonna have a very big flock and it would be global. So today, Christianity is the biggest movement of any sort or kind in the history of the world. There are a few billion people on the earth who claim that Jesus Christ is their good shepherd who has laid down his life and taken it up again for his sheep, and they are one of them. I need you to know, if you are part of the Christian church, the flock of the people of God, you are part of the biggest movement and miracle in the history of the world. It includes people from all the nations and all the languages and all the tribes and all the tongues and all the cultures. And this is very unusual because in most cultures, our God likes people like us, their God likes people like them, and holy war is where we kill each other to see which God is bigger and better. Jesus comes to lay down his life and to call a truce among peoples of various nations and cultures. And Jesus is the multicultural, global, loving, good shepherd who calls sheep from all the various flocks and cultures. Amen? That's awesome. So here's what we have today. We've got our church and there are flocks all over the world that are all part of God's big flock. Number two, uh, Jesus says that his one flock is made up of a bunch of little flocks. He says, ultimately, there's one flock. All around us today, there are Christian churches. And as long as Jesus is their good shepherd and they're following the good shepherd, then they're part of the flock, okay? They're part of the flock. And different flocks do things different ways and different shepherds have different ways of shepherding their flocks. But as long as they're all following the good shepherd, it's a good thing, amen? So, There's Lutherans and Baptists and Presbyterians and those who speak in tongues and those who don't speak in tongues and those who private school and those who public school and those who homeschool and those who think that the earth is young and those who think that the earth is old and those who don't know because it's not like a Budweiser with a born on date. There's all kinds of us, amen? But ultimately, if we all love Jesus, we all listen to Jesus, we all follow Jesus, we are all one flock. 
We're one flock. Jesus sees the whole church as one big flock. And we need to think in the same way. All the churches that love Jesus, we want them to be healthy. All the churches that follow Jesus, we want them to succeed. Number three, um, Jesus is the one shepherd. Ultimately, the goal of anyone else who's in leadership is to follow him and to encourage others to do the, sh- the same. Um, it's interesting. When we went to start the Trinity Church, one of my pastors um, looked me in the eyes, very kind, but very serious. And he said, uh, laid hands, prayed over me and said, we are commissioning you to lead and to feed. I said, okay, explain that. He said, the church is a flock. Your job is to lead and to feed. Feed meaning teach the word of God. So for anyone who has an opportunity, life group leader, children's ministry worker, worship team member, anyone who has any opportunity, parent, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, anybody that has an opportunity to shepherd people, Uh, we ultimately need to realize the people belong to who? They belong to Jesus. They're all part of one big flock. And our goal is to lead and to feed, to love, to lead, to provide, to protect the people of God. That's what it is. So let me say this. If you're one of the members of our flock, I love you. It's an honor to have you. I praise God for you. And if God would move you elsewhere or have somewhere else for you to be, we just want you to be in a good place with good shepherds, being good sheep, following the good shepherd. That's the big idea. Jesus goes on to say that his sheep will listen to my voice. They will listen to my voice, he says. He says that he will lay down his life for the sheep out of love. He says, I lay it down. He says, he will take it up again. This is amazing to me. Jesus keeps repeating himself. How many of you have children and you got to repeat yourself with the kids? Because sometimes kids don't get it the first time or they weren't listening or they forget. Jesus keeps saying it over and over and over. You're sheep, you're sheep, you're sheep. I'm your shepherd, I'm your shepherd, I'm your shepherd. I'm calling you into relationship with me. And I've made that possible by laying down my life and taking it up again so that you could receive my love and have forgiveness so that we can have relationship. And my goal is to protect you from harm. Some of you have had children that are wayward, they're rebellious. Some of you have grandchildren that are wayward or rebellious. And they think that they're strong. They're not strong. They think that they're safe. They're not safe. They think that they're fine. They're not fine. They're wandering from the shepherd. They're wandering from the fold. Sometimes we can be like foolish children. We could forget that we're sheep and we need a shepherd. And if we're not with the flock and if we're not following the shepherd, we're in grave danger. So what does the good shepherd do? He keeps reminding us, you're sheep, you're sheep, you're sheep. I'm your shepherd, I'm your shepherd, I'm your shepherd. Come to me, you will be loved. Come to me, you'll be forgiven. Come to me and you will be safe. Amen? How many of you have walked away from Jesus and found your life didn't go better? How many of you have walked with Jesus and not regretted one step of the journey? Okay. If you're here, I need you to know that Jesus is not just a shepherd. What kind of shepherd is he? He's good. That means that not only we believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus, we like him. We like him because he's good. The last two. There is a verse in the Old Testament that Jesus quotes in Matthew 26, 31. It says, strike, right? Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Sheep don't like conflict. They don't like violence. They don't like any sort of drama. Sheep get spooked and they run. What is happening here is they are seeking to strike the shepherd. Do you see that? What do they say about Jesus? He has a a demon and he's insane. That's hammering on Jesus' integrity. That's hammering on Jesus' character. Today, it is interesting because in our world, people still tend to like Jesus. So sometimes you will see a hammering on Jesus, but oftentimes it's a hammering on the word of God. And it's just another way of striking the shepherd. What they're trying to do, they're trying to strike at his reputation. They're trying to strike at his credibility. They're they're trying to strike at his trustworthiness so that the sheep would get scared. Well, is he a liar or a truth teller? Is he filled with the spirit? Is he demon possessed? Is he a good shepherd or a wolf or who is he? There's a lot of confusion. Um, I just want to speak for a moment, if I might, to those who are here 
and our shepherds that have been struck. For some reason, in this baby church that I love with all my heart, and I love you very much, and it's an honor to teach you God's word, we're getting a lot of struck shepherds. People that have been in leadership in a church, and they feel like they got hammered. Um, Thank you for your service. Thank you for following the good shepherd. Thank you for loving the sheep. Um, And we want this to be a good, healthy place for you to learn and to grow and to heal up. Um, I have had conversations with an extraordinary number, high percentage of people in this church who were in leadership elsewhere and said, man, I got struck. Well, we hope this is a good flock for you. We hope this is a safe pasture for you. We hope this is a place not just for sheep, but for shepherds. To get healed up, encouraged, be safe, be loved, be blessed. And then God will have you go lead another flock. And we're honored to have you for as long as you would have us. We don't want to be a church that speaks ill of others. Just think of it in that day. Can you imagine the gossip and the rumor mill? Religious leaders. Jesus is demon-possessed and insane. That was trending on Twitter. But it wasn't true. It wasn't true. And they're striking Jesus in an effort to get the sheep to scatter. That's always the demonic attempt employed. But Jesus ultimately is victorious and he closes with this. And I love, 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 love this image. So I told you that the first half, he's talking about sheep in pasture. Here he's talking about sheep in pens in town. And the way that it would work, at night, the shepherd would check his sheep into a pen. And each sheep would be with the flock in the pen that belonged to the shepherd. Well, when morning came, the shepherds would sort of all spread and then all the pens would open and each shepherd would call their sheep by name. This had to be something to see. And the sheep would find their shepherd. It's kind of like we do with kids ministry in a little bit, right? Like we hope they all get to the right parents and in the right car and every week it happens. Yay, we did it again, okay? It's amazing how kids find their parents and sheep find their shepherds. That's kind of how it works. And what he's saying is this, that when Jesus comes back, all the pens open. All the graves of the departed saints, all the churches of the flocks of God, and there is one flock and there is one shepherd, and that the Lord Jesus will call each of us out of our pen to himself by Name, your name is gonna get called, friend, if you belong to Jesus. You're gonna hear your name and you're gonna run to him. And I just need you to see what a great, glorious and grand homecoming this is. Our world lacks any sense of hope because we can't think beyond this life. If you think beyond this life, you start to think kingdom down, not culture up. You start to think eternally and not temporally. And the result is, oh, Jesus is coming back. All the pens are going to open. All the sheep are going to be called forward. Do you know how amazing that's going to be for you to hear your name and for you to see others come forth and run to Jesus? Tony, you're here. We weren't sure. Yay! (laughs) But just think about it. Friends that you don't see anymore because you live apart. You'll be together forever. People that have died in faith because they love Jesus, like my grandpa George who died when I was 10 and I miss him all the time. And I wish my kids knew him. They will. Because God's gonna call his name and he's gonna call their name and he's gonna call my name. And it's gonna be a great, glorious and eternal pasture where we all get to be together. And everybody's safe and everything's okay because the good shepherd has good intended for the entire flock. Can you see it? Can you see hugging your grandma, your grandpa? Some of you are widows. You've lost your spouse. You've not lost them. You've just sent them ahead. Some of you, your relationships were broken and someone died, but in the presence of the good shepherd, everything will be good. We just need to walk with the good shepherd until we enter into the final pasture. I love you. I want you there. Love Jesus, serve Jesus, follow Jesus, walk with Jesus, trust in Jesus. 
If you've wandered, return to Jesus. And it's Father's Day, so let me close with the words for the dads. How many of you are dads? Okay, dads, we love you. How many of you are grandpas? That's a double portion of blessing. I want you to see your family as a as a little flock. As a little flock. That little flock needs a shepherd. Who's the shepherd, dad? God wants you to be a good shepherd. For you men to be good shepherds, you need to follow the good shepherd. You need to learn how to be a good sheep before you can be a good shepherd. God gives men two kinds of children. He gives them physical and spiritual children. Physical children are your children by physical birth. Spiritual children are your children by spiritual birth. The Bible says that so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. That's physical birth. I've got five kids on earth and one miscarried baby in heaven that when the good shepherd calls voices, I look forward to meeting. The good shepherd has good intended. In addition, we have spiritual children. There is a line earlier in John's gospel where Jesus talks about being born again, born of the spirit. When someone shares the good news of Jesus with you, you get born again. So they're kind of like a spiritual mom or dad. They're kind of like a parent. How many of you have someone that did that for you? And you kind of see them like a mom or a dad in the faith. There's a man named Paul in the New Testament. There's no indication that he had any biological children, but he did have spiritual. He tells the Corinthians, you have many teachers or guides, but you don't have many fathers. He says, as I became your father through the preaching of the gospel. And he calls Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus, three different men, his sons. My heart and part of the calling on my ministry, which means it's part of the mantle of the Trinity Church, is to encourage men to follow the good shepherd and to be willing to lay down their life for their little flock. Do what is in the best interest of the family, not as a selfish dad, but as a servant dad, not as one who is seeking to use and abuse the flock for his own convenience, but is willing to inconvenience himself for the well-being and the flourishing of the flock. On this Father's Day, I want to honor all of you men, and I want to encourage you. Your little flock needs a shepherd. Most of our social problems and ills, they are quite frankly the result of no dad, absent dad, bad dad. When there is not a good shepherd, there is a bad result. And it doesn't mean that a good shepherd fixes everything, but it does fix many things. And it sets an example for the future so that more problems can be dealt with by your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Too many little flocks don't have a good shepherd, amen? And too many little flocks don't know the good shepherd. And too many shepherds aren't following the good shepherd. So I will just pray for you in a moment. We'll invite the band up to lead us in worship. The kids will help. We'll partake of communion, remembering Jesus, our good shepherd, who laid down his life for his sheep to be forgiven and loved. But for you fathers and you grandfathers, let me give you the same calling that was given to me. You need to lead, you need to feed. You need to lead, you need to feed. Feed their soul with the word of God. Feed their mind with the truth of God. Feed their future with hope in God. Some men just think that they are providers and all they think of in terms of is financial or food on the table. That's part of it. It's also feeding them the word of God. It's also feeding the total person It's feeding the emotional lack and want and need. It's feeding the emotional relational need that the wife and the children have. It is laying down your life for the well-being of your little flock. Father God, I thank you that Jesus is our good shepherd. And on this uh, Father's Day, I pray for all of us, Lord, all of your sheep, that we would hear your voice, that we would run to you and respond to you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a good shepherd, that you laid down your life for your sheep and that you've taken it up again and that you are the gate through which we pass into an eternal pasture of provision. 
But on this day, Father, I pray for those who are fathers and grandfathers. God, I pray that their heart would be the heart of a shepherd, the heart of a good shepherd, that starting today they would continue to walk with you, Lord Jesus, and learn how to shepherd their family as you shepherd them. Not heavy-handed, but tender-hearted. Not making others obey, but encouraging others to obey through love. Not making the wife and the children work for forgiveness, but having relationships that work from love and forgiveness. And Holy Spirit, we invite your presence that this would be a good pasture. That your people today would find rest, refreshment, encouragement, and safety. And I thank you for the great honor and joy it is to follow Jesus, who is such a good shepherd and to shepherd these dear people, as this is a wonderful flock that I love with all my heart. And I thank you that I got to teach the Bible today in Jesus' good name. Amen. If you live in or are visiting the greater Phoenix Valley, please join us at the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. You can also watch Pastor Mark live on Sundays, YouTube, Facebook, the app, or at markdriscoll.org. And as Pastor Mark always says, it's all about Jesus.